You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On Syracuse, a Wednesday edition today on National Signing Day here. We're going to get into a lot of football discussion a little bit later on in the show. It's Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky. You can catch us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse is the Twitter handle to follow. We will be bringing you updates of the Northeastern game tonight. I figure we'll start with the Northeastern tonight? game. How about this afternoon? Oh, right. It's I, a pop-up <laughs> game. I should say that. Yeah. 3 p.m. start. It's, it's going to be odd. People might be uh, sneaking around in their office or, you know, dipping out of their Zoom meetings to watch it. I... I feel okay, like it's... Tim. I feel like we got to do something here, all right? Because you and I were we're vets of the iPod Touch era, all right? We understood how to stream games during class, how to stream March Madness on our iPod Touches during class, and I think the same stuff applies now for work. Best way yeah. to stream during work slash class? Go. What's your? What was the best way that you got away with it? I mean, just put it in between your legs, like right under the desk was usually what I went to. I think that's not a a rocket science move there. I don't know. Do you have any sort of groundbreaking streaming tips here that I'm not privy to? So the the thing that like you could when you've got a a desk or a drawer or something like that, like sometimes the desks had the the hollowed almost caves. And the best thing you could do is just you, you throw a book in there, you you throw uh, maybe some some post-it notes or something, and then you just lean your lean the the iPod Touch or the the iPhone up against that underneath the table. I think that was the best way to get away with it. So yeah, some people I'm sure are are going to be running into that struggle today, and and we've been there. All right, we've all been there, and we've all made it out <laughs> on the other side without getting in trouble. So best of luck to everyone out there, and if anyone gets in trouble watching, we'd love to hear your stories. Tweet at us at lo underscore Syracuse. Yeah, everyone's working from home these days, I feel like. So you can get yeah, away with it a little bit kind of tough to get in trouble. More. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think in high school, it was the Thursday of March Madness, where this was really, you had to be on your A game. You had to sneak right. out the iPod Touch, iPod, Well, you know whatever. what was big, too, during when we were kids? I, they came out with these sweatshirts where the strings, like the tassels on the sweatshirts, were earbuds. And you could put yeah. them in your ear and there was a little plug in the pocket so you could maybe pull up a radio stream of the game. So if you wanted to do that, you could have gotten away with it that way too. There's all sorts of ways. There's all sorts of life hacks to this stuff. Yeah. Well, anyway, Northeastern is today. It's a 3 p.m. game. It, it'll be weird, but it's on ACC Network. And let's talk about Northeastern a little bit. And then we will get into Brandon Huntley Hatfield, the, the five-star recruit for basketball, a little bit too today before we... Dive into National Signing Day and our football thoughts on the latter part of the show. We want to start with basketball because that game's happening today. So if you happen to want to get your thoughts on Northeastern, then we figured we'd give it to you in a timely manner at the start of the podcast today. But Northeastern, 176 on Ken Palm. They lose Jordan Rowland from last year, who was really good for them. 50-40-90 guy, or he kind of flirted with it at times. and was, Wasn't he a, a Syracuse that, area guy, too? Yeah, and he always burned Cuse, I feel like. This this Northeastern team isn't like those teams of the past, though, in the sense that I feel like Northeastern used to just shoot the lights out of the ball in the Dome and come in and kind of contend based on making threes. I don't think they have as much pop perimeter shooting-wise, but they've still got some good players on this team. The thing that I look at and why I'm pretty convinced Syracuse will come away out of this one pretty 
pretty handily. I don't think this is going to be much of an afternoon test for Bayheim and company. But the big name to know on this Northeastern team is Tyson Walker. And here's the stat that you may not be hearing a lot of. 25 of his 49 points. Again, they've only played two games this year. So he's averaging 24 and a half points per game. But 25 of his 49 points have come at the free throw line. You're not going to get those opportunities against the 2-3 zone. It's definitely going to be down, but it's a testament to him and how he's been playing. He's, he's a, a smaller guard, attacks. too. Six foot. Yeah. He's going to attack, but good luck getting through the teeth of the zone. And I guess one of the things that we'll have to watch in this game is, and we've heard Jim Beheim talk about it, is Joe Girard can get driven on sometimes in the zone. And that's a big reason why they play zone is so you can't get driven on as much. So as long as Joe Girard can hold his own at the top, then... I think you really, really can can limit a guy like Tyson Walker in this game. Yeah, you bring up the free throw shooting, 28.7% of their points so far this year, albeit in two games, they have split a home-and-home with UMass so far, and UMass is 125 on Ken Palm, so that gives you an idea of what they've played and and what their record is right now, but 28.7% of their points coming from the foul line in the first two games, that's fifth in the country, according to Ken Palm, so... You know, you, and that's you more, that, they score more points on free throws than three pointers, too. Exactly, and we've seen it, three it, pointers kill this this Syracuse defense. Yeah, so that's good. I will say the the parts that kind of bode well for them in terms of going up against Syracuse, they have a good transition defense. Statistically, it's it's been up there really in the entire like f- past five six years of Northeastern. That's just what you get. They're a smart team. They always are. They seem well coached every time you watch them. And then they're a good rebounding team this year. They do have some size. I'm not saying like a seven-footer or something like that, but they rebound as a team very well, and they don't allow a lot of second-chance opportunities. It's going to be different, obviously, going against Syracuse. And I I mean, no, Syracuse isn't usually, you know, feasting on the glass considering the 2-3 zone makeup and everything. But those parts make it seem like Northeastern maybe might hang around a little bit in the first half. I do agree. I think they should win this game pretty handedly, though. So you bring up the size, and they're 59th, the 59th tallest team in the country, which for a mid-major, pretty big, honestly. I mean, I brought up Tyson Walker. He's six foot, but the rest of the team is pretty much 6'6 or taller. So they're going to have some size at the guard position, on the wing position as well, but you're also right. They don't have some seven-footer. Yes, everyone pretty much on this team is between 6'6 and 6'9. So, and they do have a guy who, who once upon a time played at Notre Dame to Chris Doherty, I don't know how he's much good. we'll see of him in this game, but he's a guy who he hasn't played against Syracuse in the past, but he, he's he been in the meeting rooms when they're prepping for Syracuse. So I'm sure he can impart some wisdom when they're prepping for this game. One other thing, the, the free throw thing. So we talk about how Syracuse, that that's one of the big things. You're not going to drive on the zone. And just uh, a little testament to that right now, Starting guards, I crunched the numbers here. Starting guards, so there's two of them a game, and this is now through what? Syracuse has played five games. Starting guards have 28 free throw attempts. So the fact that Tyson Walker has 25 in two games as a singular being, and Syracuse has allowed 28 free throw attempts from two guys a night over the course of five games, I think kind of shows you that they can neutralize him pretty good in this game. He's taken 29, but he's made 25 so far in these first two games. Oh, correct. Yeah, I mean, essentially the same thing. 
Um, I just didn't want someone to, you know, <laughs> come at you for, for the minutia of your numbers. Yeah, the, the Twitter stat checkers are, are always out in full force. <laughs> right. He He's not a great shooter, like, three-point-wise, but, I mean, he's he's been efficient at the foul line, so he's got some mid-range shot, and then he's just very quick and a downhill attacking guard. And then Dortry, who you mentioned, the Notre Dame guy, has not played a ton for them. He's come off the bench, but... You feel like he could be an X factor, or a guy that could really give Syracuse problems on this roster, just because he's a great rebounder. And when he has played, he's been super efficient. He wasn't a great athlete, or he isn't a great athlete, and that's really why he didn't quite pan out at Notre Dame. But when you're playing against some some smaller competition in the Colonial, I think he will be good for them. In this game, we'll see how he fares against the two-three zone. The bottom line is, though, I mean, you look at his offensive rating on Kempom. 147 that's 37th in the country right now it's a small sample size they've only played two games and he's played like 15 minutes a game or something like that but I mean I think he's a guy that if they have sort of a a secret weapon in this game it's probably him right and just the fact that he can help out his guys because they've kind of they they've a lot of them probably haven't faced Syracuse. Meanwhile Doherty while he hasn't faced Syracuse he's obviously been in the meetings one one little quick Syracuse thing and and then we can get into some recruiting stuff here but it doesn't look like Northeastern is a very physical team to me sure they've got above average size but their offensive rebounding is atrocious they don't have a very high block percentage defensively so I would look for guys like Marek and Quincy to have big games in this one especially Quincy I think this is going to be a a good mid-major test for them and if you can see Quincy continue to to rebound the ball and, and get some of those putbacks and just bully guys down low, I think we could see a lot of that in this game. And, and that'd be really good for him and his confidence moving forward. Yeah, I would say, I, I do think they have kind of sneaky more size than maybe you think as we talked about. They have about. size, so, but that doesn't always translate to physicality. Yeah, I just, I mean, I like their rebounding numbers. I think they rebound above their size, even though they have a good amount of size already for a mid-major ball club. So, I mean... I totally agree. I think Quincy could have a good game. It doesn't negate your point. I just wouldn't look at this as, oh, Quincy's just beaten up on some undersized mid-major. No, I totally like, agree. Yeah, this is yeah. a good challenge for him, I feel like. One of the better right. mid-major, probably the best mid-major challenge he's going to get all this for this entire um, pre-conference play, but also not pre-conference play because Boston right. College <laughs> has, has entered the chat. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's minus 17.5 is the spread on betonline.ag, and the over-under is set at 145.5. I'm, I'm with you. I think they should handle Northeastern today. And, you know, I, I want to just see what Gerard's got. I'm, I'm keen to see sort of how Richmond and Gerard and, and those storylines that we've been monitoring all season continue to develop today. Um, yeah, I would probably take Syracuse in the points in this one. I also probably lean on the over side of things here too, just because we know yeah. that some teams can get hot and that's something. And if, if somehow Northeastern turns this into a free throw game too, that's getting to the line with the clock stopped. So I would probably lean over and lean Syracuse on both of these. Not super confident in either, but if Syracuse goes out and wins this game by 20 to 25, I mean, we just saw them win by 30 plus against a, a much better team in Boston college. So uh, this game, this game comes back to the dome too. And we'll see if they can continue the hot shooting. You know, guys, these days it seems life forces us to be on all the time, but every now and then it's important to stop and reset. That's when you reach for a Coors Light, my favorite beer. It is mountain cold refreshment, 
made to chill. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. And watching football, watching basketball, just watching sports in general is therapeutic. It's uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer, and it's the one I choose when I need to unwind. When I'm watching Syracuse, I always have Coors Light by my side. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that is get.coorslight.com, and it can come right to your door these days, which is an awesome benefit. So celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Got to tell you about the best protein bar on the market. That, of course, is Built Bar. With new flavors seemingly coming out all the time, including one of my new favorites is the Caramel Brownie and the Cookies and Cream, both of which I recently got through Built Bar. They are awesome. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to choose. And the best part of all of this is that even though it tastes like a candy bar, they are healthy for you. They're perfect if you're trying to maintain weight, lose weight, whatever. Built Bar is the way to go. Just take the peanut butter brownie for a second here. 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. That's what you're getting with Built Bar. You're getting a delicious reward for your workout while also making a super healthy choice as well. And right now, Built Bar, a new offer for you here for fans of the Locked On Syracuse podcast and the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, all one word, and you will get 20% off your next order. So on the recruiting note for basketball, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, it's been out there for a little bit now. We've had some people reach out and say, when are you going to talk about him? So we figured we'd spend a little bit of time on him. We don't know a ton right now, but it does look like Syracuse offered him sort of later in his process here. And there seems to be some mutual interest between Syracuse and Huntley Hatfield. He has expanded his top five that included Auburn, Ole Miss, Kansas, Tennessee, and Wake Forest to a top six and included Syracuse and said some good things about Bayheim and Hall of Fame team. And I, you know, I'm keen to sort of learn more about their system as me paraphrasing him and what he said in some articles on 247sports.com. So, I mean, he's a top five recruit in the country, and this is the 2022 cycle. He did say that he's fully committed to staying in 2022, so no chance of a reclassification was the latest update on a 24-7 sports article. But it's exciting that, you know, he included Syracuse, and it feels like it's not super stiff competition in terms of the caliber of player that he is. Like, we ha- we don't have a Duke or a Kentucky in there, and he's already kind There's of There's a Kansas, out. but... Yeah, he's ruled out Kentucky, though, from his list. They had offered him early on in the process, and as far as this top five that we're reading right now, plus six now with Syracuse, they're not in it. So the thing that you always have to do with top ten guys now is, sure, it's a list of six, but it's really a list of seven or eight because you have to take into account, will they go overseas? Will the the G League come calling? So, And he's one of the guys who would fit this criteria. Top ten guy, obviously there's going to be some outside interest, especially – if agents start getting involved in whatever. So when I look at Syracuse and not what they have to do to, to lock down a guy like Huntley Hatfield, but I just look at the fit of it. And I think this would be a, a pretty good pairing between the two. Obviously, Syracuse would love to have a guy of his caliber. And 
I mean, you think about the the pieces that they're going to be losing by by that time. Obviously, they're going to be looking for a big, especially one that can give you something offensively at that point. You're going to have Benny Williams, who's going to have positional flexibility for you. But at the same time, if you can put Benny at the three and have a, a guy like Huntley Hatfield at the four, it's a pretty solid one-two punch right there that you're going to have offensively, not to mention the fact that you will also have Joe Girard on the team and maybe even Buddy Beheim too. Yeah, he would, I mean, he'd be a five-star guy coming in, one-and-done type player if he does Most come. talented guy on the point. roster. Yeah, definitely. So you would kind of just sort of be like, yes, where where can we fit you in? Like, come. <laughs> and then you'd figure it out from there. And he'd be the highest-ranked recruit since Mello, or the highest-ranked recruit since Darius Baisley, or the highest-ranked recruit since T.R. Johnson, depending on how you want to look at that. Because, unfortunately, that has been thrown out a lot and then hasn't really panned out. And I do feel like he's got a strong shot of going to the G League. Don't know the guy. Don't have any inside intel there. It just, you know, as you said, that's the conversation around these kids now. And he's staying committed to 2022, which if if honestly, like, best case scenario would probably be him saying, okay, I'll reclass to 2021. And that probably ups the chances of him staying in college if he came out and made that announcement right and I then think I you're mean, spot on with that because yeah. like i mean think about all the guys that you're seeing go to the g league it's these guys who are reclassifying for the most part yeah and honestly like you you might be able to just jump right to the nba in 2022 we don't really know who knows when that yeah double draft is coming so if he would have gone a year earlier in the recruiting cycle i think that would have benefited Syracuse and just his chances of coming to college. I should say that Ole Miss does have some crystal balls on him, but they were sent in very early on in the process. And I mean, I did read the article on kind of his thoughts on all these schools, and it's sort of weird that Ole Miss is in the conversation. But the way he talks about Ole Miss, he's visited the campus. He has not visited Syracuse, as far as I know. And he really loved it. And he was like, it was a no brainer to include them in my top five. So I do think that would be the the odds-on favorite right now if you had to pick one school. But it's early in this process. He said January 21st he was going to announce, and then he's kind of corrected that and said he doesn't have a time frame right now. And he's a 2022 guy, so we'll probably be waiting a little bit on this one. He might want to play his high school season too. Just let that whole process play out, and, and that can completely change the future for him, whether he gets the, the high school process or the AAU circuit, all that stuff. It, there's so much unpredictability, as we've already seen with the Syracuse team and with 2022 recruiting. Yeah. Anyway, just exciting that he put Syracuse in the conversation, and maybe they'll get another top 10 2022 commit, as I, because Dior obviously was one of those, but now he's gone. So he'd be a great, great ad. And I do think what you said earlier holds is that he would be perfect for the 2 3 zone. He's a great athlete and good rebounder just has that kind of build and size to really slide in and and be great in that sort of system at Syracuse. So excited about that. We'll keep you guys updated on Brandon Huntley Hatfield, the five-star recruit in 2022, but let's get into some football here and the football recruiting side of things. For one note, before we do that, Kingsley Jonathan coming back. This was announced right before we hit record on the podcast. Yeah. I'm a little surprised. surprised. It wasn't after we hit record. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> that's we've been burned by that several times. But Kingsley is a huge return, probably the guy that I was waiting on the most and anxious about the most, because we talked about after, what was it, BC? No, not BC, the last home game. Uh, 
I'm blanking on who they were. Well, oh, that's NC State, Dame. right? Oh, NC State, okay. Yeah, NC State. He was uh, seen a lot on Twitter. There were some photos surfacing from people that were in the dome of him kneeling down. It was Kingsley, right? I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. It. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that scared me, and I just feel like the defensive line is a, is a big spot going into next year, and now with Kingsley coming back, I feel a lot better about it. Absolutely. I mean, you know how much, as much as I loved Aaron Hackett on the offensive side of the ball, that's what Kingsley Jonathan was for me on the defensive side of the ball because he's just a physical pass rusher, and that's what this team needs. They need physical pass rushers, and the fact that you're going to have two guys coming back as fifth and, and in Josh Black's case, I think a sixth-year guy, um, that's that's really big for this team. And if you're going to have grown men going up against some 18, 19, 20-year-olds in some cases, that's what the, the matchup you're going to be seeing on, on a lot of Saturdays next season, that's a huge advantage for Syracuse because the defensive line was largely underwhelming this year. But if you've got guys who are that much more advanced than the next guy, I think that's going to be a huge thing, especially when you've got uh, secondary and linebacking core as talented as Syracuse does. Yeah, so National Signing Day today, and by the time you're listening to this, you've probably already seen a lot of these commits officially put pen to paper. It looks like Syracuse is expecting 20 of their 21 recruits to announce or sign, I should say, on Wednesday here. The only one is Jalen Moss, who is still apparently set on the orange, but he's planning on signing and the other opportunity in February, according to Stephen Bailey. So 20 of 21 is what is expected. We should note Hayden Nelson, another Stephen Bailey scoop, if, if we want to give him a point. I, I don't know if it Uh-oh. warrants it quite yet, but I guess we can give him a point. Give him a point. So give Steve- him a point. Boom, yeah. on the board. Play the music. So Hayden Nelson uh, is getting some interest from UCLA, and there's some concern that he might be flipping to UCLA. I don't even really want to talk about it too much because people listening to this probably already know which way he signed on Wednesday. Well, let's just put it this way, all right? You've got four national recruiting analysts from 24-7 sports. We're we're recording this on a Tuesday night, the Tuesday night, signing day eve, and four guys, national guys, have put a flip on this from Syracuse to UCLA. So not great. So, and we talked to Hayden feels like on the a podcast. I was really excited about him. And, and, you know, like I said, maybe this is a, a moot point. This whole conversation We'll we'll probably react to it at some point once it becomes official and react. Well, no, to I think day there's still whole. something important to note here. Kingsley Jonathan's back. And this is a guy who maybe thought he could step in and play right away because he thought there were going to be two empty spots on the defensive line. And not to mention that, but also Cody Roscoe uh, would would probably be gone too. And now, all of a sudden, you've got three defensive linemen coming back. And that's something that I think is going to be a very prevalent thing on this signing day is a lot of guys are announcing now whether they're coming back or not. We could see a lot of traffic on this signing day. Maybe some guys won't sign right away. Maybe some guys who are supposed to sign today end up signing in February. And it may not be with the same school they were expecting to sign with back in September, October, November, or even today. Yeah. So not looking good on him and kind of disappointing. And UCLA did just lose a recruit at the linebacker defensive end position. So this was kind of, I believe, uh, Stephen Bailey talked to Hayden Nelson's high school coach, and he basically said it kind of came out of the blue, this UCLA thing. But 
when UCLA comes calling and that weather compared to Syracuse and unfortunately the Syracuse weather, I and know, how about don't this? really blame the this kid. The yeah. power of the jump man, Tim. It's already coming through. Yeah. UCLA <laughs> is going to be a, a right. Jordan school next season. So watch out. They're going to start swiping some recruits that way. You, yeah, you can say no you can say it. it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. To, it, maybe totally. not every kid, but it's a big deal to a lot of these kids. I'm not saying that Hayden Nelson's some materialistic kid, but this is one of the powerful things and, and why it even the minutia of college athletics down to the, the little details of who your your school is sponsored by in terms of the athletic apparel they get. All of that stuff matters. And that's why you need ADs that are sharp with that stuff. And you need coaches and, and be able, the ability to build a brand so that you can excel in, in the little minutia like that. And, and I'm not saying that Hayden Nelson is, is flipping because UCLA is a Jordan team. But Jordan is the most attractive thing apparel-wise that you can offer a recruit. And it's not yeah. even close. And you've even heard, I think Lincoln Riley and Dan Mullen, two of the other schools that are Jordan, have even said it has really helped in their recruiting. So this is, I'm not saying, you're going to start seeing a lot of kids go to UCLA, is what I'm trying to say yeah. out of this. The ceiling is the roof, as they say, or as Michael mm-hmm. Jordan famously said. Yep. So so the overall class for Syracuse, so we can kind of get into a discussion on this now. It's it's down a little bit to 52nd in the rankings nationally on 24-7, and it's 12th in the ACC. Compare that to last year. Last year's 2020 class was 58th nationally and 10th in the ACC. So the ACC classes are, as a whole, a little bit better this year. We like this class, I think, though, and and we like a lot of the, the players involved in this. I am a little bummed to see that now no one is listed as a four-star recruit. This keeps happening. It's just sort of like goes to show you that ratings don't mean a ton, I guess. But you see guys like Deuce Chestnut commit, who's a top 500 guy in this cycle and the best recruit, statistically speaking, or rating speaking. And he has dropped from a four-star to when he, after he committed to Syracuse, now he's gone to a three-star. And same with Enrique Cruz and a lot of services, which is kind of a bummer because I, you know, you like seeing a couple four-stars. But also it... It, there are kind of some four stars in this class, even though the rate the ratings. Well, let's might just not put it this it way right too. Now. I mean, I'm not putting a whole ton of stock in the 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 number ratings or the stars right now right. because a number of these guys didn't get their their seasons in, in terms of their high school football seasons. So, like a guy like Enrique Cruz, he didn't get to play a single snap of football this past fall. Justin Lampson didn't play a single snap of football this past fall. They're getting their their seasons in the spring. So. That's one of the things that we're not going to really know what this class is talent-wise probably for two or three years. And you wonder how that's going to have an impact on Dino Babers because and his head coaching security. Because right now, he can't really use the excuse. He can't pitch to athletics. Yeah, I'm bringing in my best class. Because guess what? That's not the case anymore. I mean, this was a class that we thought maybe could be top 45. And at the end of the day, it's going to likely be outside the top 50 because guess what? I, I still don't think expect... it's his best class, though. I, I, I don't really I would care about the range. probably lean with you, but we'll have to wait and see. The, the thing about this class is that you got the important positions. Like, obviously, you're an offensive head coach. Well, show us. Well, what do he do? He went out and got four of the top five guys in the class as offensive guys. You got the important positions. You got your supposed quarterback of the future. You got a pair of wide receivers who can be really good for this team. They've got size and speed. You got your left tackle to pair with uh, your quarterback of the future. And then 
to top it all off, you do have one defensive guy. The stud of the class is at a position where you've had a lot of success lately, defensive back. So I think that when you couple all of that, he really recruited to his strengths here. And let's just put it this way. If this class doesn't work out, there are no more excuses for for Dino Babers. Like, he's gone if this class does not work out. This is a huge class, and you're right. I mean, they address some needs. Offensive line, they bring in five guys. Enrique Cruz is one of those guys who used to be a four-star who we're really excited about at the tackle position. And that's what Matthew Gutierrez wrote a good article on The Athletic talking with the ESPN recruiting director. I believe his name is Tom Luganbill. Yeah, Tom Luganbill. He he calls some games, too. I think he did Syracuse's game against Louisville, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So anyway, a good Q&A. Check that out if you haven't already, if you subscribe to The Athletic, because they basically broke down where Syracuse has had some weaknesses in recruiting and how they can improve. And I'd say the, the main points were that this guy, the ESPN recruiting director, said that they should attack Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, and the DMV, Maryland, Virginia area a little bit more, which I totally agree with. Didn't yep. really do that. In he this basically class. said, too, don't worry about winning New York. And he's right, because think about the, the talent of New York. There's not a whole ton of football talent coming out of the state. Now, would it be nice that every year you can get the top guy in New York? Yeah, you probably should be getting the top guy in New York. You are literally the only powerhouse football program in the state. So... By that, you should be getting the top guy in New York, but it doesn't feel like Syracuse is that destination anymore. And yeah, when you bring up no the, the Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, DMV, you got two kids in this class from Pennsylvania, one from Virginia. And that is where that entire area is, is like, that's what you brought in for this class of 2021. So that's the, the thing that I'm worried about. Because like, isn't that what Chip West was brought in to do? was to win the DMV area because he had all that success there. Yeah, and it'll take some time, probably. But I think that's partially why they brought him in. I think the staff understands that they need to change some things up in terms of how they're recruiting quarterback and how they're recruiting geographically. So we'll give them some time on that end. But yeah, the, the offensive line, too, is is a huge area. And that's what they talked about in this article, is how you probably got to attack the grad transfer, or I should say probably just the transfer portal, right, which he yeah. did do. He said but, not uh, the grad transfers, actually. Yeah, and, and that may, I think he was talking about the, the quarterback, too, how if you're Syracuse, you probably don't even want to bring in a grad transfer quarterback or many of the grad transfer options. because you, you want something sustainable. Yeah. Right? Like, and that's, this offensive line just hasn't been consistent, and because it's because they've had really that 2018 team, they had a bunch of guys, but they were all upperclassmen. And so they're yeah. all gone the next year. And the bottom line is offensive line is the toughest thing to evaluate. It's the toughest thing to project. It's probably the toughest position group to recruit. And when you're Syracuse, you're already behind the eight ball for a lot of different reasons. And you think about how Dino has done recruiting offensive linemen. I went back through some of their recent cycles. 2018, they, they had White and Carlos Vettorello come in. We haven't seen anything from White. And... You know, we'll we'll see. Like, it's not looking great, and that's just probably you missed on that one. 2017 was Dakota Davis, Patrick Davis. 2016, you bring in Sam Heckle, Aaron Service. It hasn't been terrible, but they've whiffed on some guys. White was kind of a miss, and the 2019 group is looks kind of still out on them, but Matthew Bergeron's been pretty good, Darius Tisdale, Anthony Red, and, and you also brought in Ryan Alexander in the transfer market that year. That was a huge whiff. So you get Chris Blake next year. 
I don't, I mean, I think they probably would like to get another transfer at the offensive line position because who else is coming as a reinforcement? Hopefully you get a healthier Aaron Service, who we think that was part of the reason why he struggled this year. But I don't know if Enrique Cruz is just going to be ready to go right away as a true freshman. Especially if he's not enrolling early, too. And, and, he's, and he's not. I, he's yeah. not. So that that's the problem there. It's very tough to slot in a, a freshman offensive lineman as we've kind of seen the this past season. So when I look at what Syracuse has to do now it, with the rest of this offseason, because I don't think they're bringing in any more true freshmen. Like the, the high school recruiting is done for the year. I, I would be very shocked. And in fact, I would probably be a little upset if they brought in someone new between now and February. I want to see unless them get... Unless he's great. I mean, unless, unless it's unless, some stud, but like I, I right. just don't see that happening. The the thing I want to see, though, is something with the offensive line, something in the, the transfer portal, because the transfer portal is going to be as robust as it's ever been this year. We, we know that for a fact. And you're starting to see it already trickle out in all sorts of facets, whether it's guys who are going to be taking advantage of an extra year, whether it's guys who their spot is no longer, like maybe they anticipated being a starter this year, this upcoming season for 2021, and all of a sudden that's no longer a reality because player X gets that extra year or player X is now going to block them up for two years as opposed to just one. So that's where you're going to have to take advantage of the transfer portal. And Luganville points this out. You've got one of the best pitches right now because your sales pitch to any offensive lineman in the transfer portal essentially is you can come here and you can start because there is a lot of holes on our on our offensive line. And if you've got the talent and you believe in yourself that you're talented enough, you're probably going to start on this team because there is not a lot of surrounding talent on the offensive line. And we're going to see Chris Bleich come in. So hopefully that shores up a little bit. But this team needs some bodies on the in the trenches right now. No doubt. And the early enrollees, by the way, just to give you guys those, there's four, as we know right now. Deuce Chestnut is one of them. The tight end, Landon Morris, is honestly like basically a wide receiver. But I think he's going to be kind of that Luke Benson role. And I'm really excited about him. I think he can make a big impact next year. I agree, and then, too. Uh, defensive line, Terry Lockett, who I think was the first uh, commit in this cycle, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the safety slash maybe we'll play the rover position in Malcolm Folk, another guy I think can make an immediate impact. I would say next year, I would say Chestnut, Folk, Morris, I could see making an impact. And then Jalen Moss as well, really like his tape. Um, but we don't, and he's not planning on signing uh, as of, as far as we know, he's not planning on signing today on Wednesday. So hopefully you get him to officially commit in February. And then one guy I love in this cycle, and I rewatched his tape again right before we recorded this podcast, Amari Hasher, the wide receiver, who had a lot of good offers. He just strikes me as a guy that that could play right away because he has such good speed that you kind of want to just get him on the field. And he could be a big, deep threat option for Syracuse, even as early as next year, I think. I, I don't know if he'll enroll early or what, not doing it right now, but I really like his odds of making an impact just because he has speed and he can kind of be that Nikeem Johnson type guy for them. Oh, and some breaking news, Tim. While we're uh, oh, no. recording this, Hayden Nelson has decommitted from Syracuse. So Okay. So he, does he get a scoop point? Does he get a scoop point? <laughs> I mean, that's the only point he's ever going to get for Syracuse. Sport. You know what? Unless Let's he... give it to him. Give it to him. Yeah. Hayden Nelson, scoop point. 
unless he gets into broadcasting or journalism and in five, six years from now, he brings it full circle and is breaking news on, on Syracuse in some national sense. But that seems unlikely. Uh, that's disappointing, but, you know, wish him the best of luck. He was a great kid. We chatted also, with him. Also, and- don't yell at him on social media. If you're that guy right yeah. now winding up a tweet, keep it in the draft. No one pal. should be All right? Like yeah. th- These kids are 18 years old. You definitely did dumber at 18 years old. Keep it in the drafts. Yeah. All right, well, now we have some clarity on that. So I would say 19 of the 20 guys were projecting will sign as of maybe you're listening to this today, Thursday, whatever, but... Any other thoughts on recruiting? Maybe we'll we'll touch on this a little bit early next week if anything happens signing day wise. Um, because going forward, we we're actually one note sort of on our northeastern recap is we're probably going to have to get that out early Thursday morning. We'll have to record it on Thursday morning just because of our schedules this week. So we won't have it at like six a.m. on Thursday, but we will get it to you early on Thursday, and then. Friday, we'll probably do a Buffalo preview. So maybe we can yeah. uh, work in some some talk of, of well, recruiting. And I guess the day. last thing I want to say here, and Luganbill brings this up in his article, and basically Goody asks him, where should Syracuse be taking notes from right now? Because they are in a tough spot in terms of what the future holds. And he said, look at Iowa State and Matt Campbell. And we've kind of been touting this for a while. That's one of the teams... One of the programs that you should be modeling after right now, because Iowa State's having a ton of success. And it's not just a ton of success, it's sustained success. They popped the same year that Syracuse did back in 2018. The difference is that they've stayed at the top and in fact have even gotten better. Meanwhile, Syracuse is about as low as you can be in the Power Five. So basically the recruiting strategy there was Matt Campbell, he... He realized, okay, I, I'm i not going to get every kid in Iowa. A lot of these kids want to play for Iowa, not Iowa State. So he went a couple states away and somehow was pulling guys from California, Arizona, Texas, going to these hotbeds and getting them to Iowa State. And now they're, I think the last playoff check I, I looked, they were a top 10 team in the, the college football playoff standings. So I'm looking at Ken Syracuse. Listen, you don't have to win New York, okay, because... Frankly, if you win New York, you're probably feeling a a semi-FCS team at that point. So I'm looking at, can you go out and and snag some in Florida, which Dino has done in the past. Can you go out and find some guys in Texas? Can you go find some guys in Pennsylvania? Go to the DMV, have success there, because those are your hotbeds, and those are teams too that, or states too, that they're a couple states away, but they're still manageable in terms of a, a distance for some of these kids. So I would say... You got you to kind of follow the, the Matt Campbell route and go outside your state, outside your zones, because that's, quite frankly, how you're going to have success and sustain success. Yeah, you got to adapt. It's not a good situation, but you can't just, you know, let one in 10, uh, a one in 10 record not steer you away from, from making some changes, which I think they will make some changes, and we'll see. I do overall like this 2021 class, and it's a step in the right direction, for sure, but We'll probably have more thoughts on National Signing Day and everything later on in the week. Tomorrow, as I said, we will have that Northeastern recap for you a little bit later on than normal, but it'll be dropping on Thursday morning. But that's going to wrap our Wednesday edition of the podcast. Feel free to subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. You can get all our podcasts 
right into your preferred podcast feed when they drop if you just hit subscribe and also drop a review leave a little rating for us that would help us out in sort of growing the podcast a little bit tell a friend as we always say put it in the chat spread the word yep so that'll do it for today's episode we'll uh talk to you guys on thursday Oh, <laughs>